Podcast. This is Paul Wilson and Chris Emke. And you're listening to Diesel Performance Podcast. Guys, we got another UCC competitor special interview yeah. uh, put together for you. Unique vehicle with this guy. I, I, Every year we talk to to Chris Buheider yeah. from Truck Source, Truck Source Diesel. Diesel out of Texas. And every year he's, he's another one of those like real calm, yep. real mellow guys. And then you see him at the track and you're like, oh, I get it. You got all of your aggression out on your truck. Yeah. Well, he, he's one of those people, in my opinion, where he he has a lot of data. He has a truck that works, Cummins powered Ford, right? Like yeah. what else could be better in some guy's eyes? But he he's not new to this. He has a lot of experience. He's been competing for years, and he goes to the track and he just he he, he fucks shit up, man. Like, <laughs> and not in a bad way. Like, you might not know him, but you know the truck. You know yeah. what he's capable of. And all the guys at Truck Source, like they they have a really good team down there in Texas. Absolutely. So it's it's nice to get you know someone like Chris on board and and kind of go through that whole you know process of what's going through his head. Because for him, man, he's just he's just living it. You know, he's enjoying it. <laughs> That's right. Well, hey guys, we're not gonna hold you up anymore. Let's get right over to Chris Buheider from Truck Source Diesel. Chris Buheider from Truck Source Diesel. How the hell are you? Good. How are you guys? Doing good. Doing good. Doing good. Oh man, we got two Chris's on the show again. Yeah. All right. Just call me Emke. Emke. Yep. And Chris. All right. I got it. <laughs> I think I think we could sort out your guys' voices too. Yeah, I think Chris, we're good there. Chris has a, a deeper voice, so yeah, you know. Well, you know, full grown up. Uh, I know. I get it. I get it. <laughs> <laughs> Chris, we're really excited to have you on the show. Uh, you're a competitor at UCC now f- several times. Uh, we're really, really getting into that that crunch mode where everybody's in a rush to get ready for UCC. But we'd like to step back and just ask first: Can you tell us why you're competing at UCC this year? Well, I, I guess it's just like the name says, you know, the ultimate call-out challenge. Um, the 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 baddest guys and the baddest gals and the baddest trucks in the country, are, that's where they are. That's where they go every year. And so if you want to uh, compete with the best, that's that's where you compete. Okay. For some of our newer listeners, right, someone who isn't seasoned and has been to UCC in the past or, you know, new to the industry, can you tell us a little bit of, about you know, the specifics on, you know, what kind of truck you have and what's the current setup that you're bringing this year? Sure. It's, um, the truck is a 2000 Ford F-350. Um, it was originally a 7.3 truck and we have, uh, swapped a common rail Cummins into it a number of years ago. Um, I bought it originally as just a, a beater, uh, with 430,000 miles on it or something like that. Uh, just to just to drive around back and forth to work and um i guess it, it ended up you know couldn't leave well enough alone and added <laughs> some power and added some power and you know would take it to the the local mud drags and the local quarter mile and just started having a good time with it and i i guess just like like uh any addiction it, it started off simple and now it, now it's is where where it's at <laughs> And that is that is how it feels sometimes in these yep. projects, Snowball, because you've had this truck for, for a while now, uh, and, and you do a lot of competition. Can you kind of give our listeners a rundown of, like, what your normal year of competition looks like? You know, I, I guess it's hard with the, today's age because last year was not very normal, so it um, I guess we're a little removed from that. But we it was primarily a race truck. You know, that um, that's what we've done with it for probably since – 
2013, 2014, um, you know, quarter mile, eighth mile. Uh, we ran the NHRDA circuit uh, when they were still around and, um, you know, had, had very good luck with it. Um, you know, in the, the points chase, uh, won a few uh, world titles with it too. And, um, you know, our, our thing with it has always been consistency. We always liked the, you know, the competition of the, the whole year, you know, winning the points title at the end of the year. Um, it was, we never really set the truck up to, to break records or to, you know, to set, set a record every pass. Um, you know, we always, we always like the, the, the year long goals. So, um, re-gearing it for UCC, whereas, you know, it's a competition of swinging for the fence, you know, it's who can hit the longest home run. So it was a little bit of a, a change for us, um, going to that kind of competition, but, uh, it's pretty darn exciting. What are some of the changes that you do in preparation from, you know, being a, a, you know, chasing points in the NHRDA from years past versus setting it up for an event like UCC? So for, um, you know, when we used to um, just strictly drag race it with the NHRDA stuff, uh, we ran a five, nine motor in it. Um, We ran triple turbos, but they, it was not a big set at all. And, you know, the, the truck would make anywhere from 1,200 horse up to, you know, 16, 1,700 horse on kill. Um, you know, we never wanted to get into any kind of setup that would um, – we, we wanted the truck to be reliable, not tear itself up every other pass. And we wanted something that was, you know, friendly to, you know, build boost at the at the line, no matter what altitude we were at, you know. Um, just something that we knew that we could put down the, tr- you know, the track quickly but consistently. Uh, whereas UCC, um, we run a, a 6.8, um, a, a much bigger turbo setup on it. You know, we can, we'll run anywhere from 1600 horse all the way up to 2200 horsepower. Um, you know, so traction issues become a little bit more of a problem running, you know, the, for one, the added displacement in just that amount of power in general. So, um, it, the, the tune up has to be a little bit more dialed in, but you're, you know, you're trying to, you're trying to get lay down the the fastest pass or the the biggest number that you can, so that's that's the nature of it. Do you think UCC twenty one will be your fastest pass ever in the truck? I sure hope so. <laughs> that, is, that is what we're shooting for. What's your current record? Uh, we've ran a couple five fours with it. Um, oh wow! Quite a, quite a few, and they're they've all been five forty sevens too. Ooh. Um, so that that's as as fast as as we've gone. What's the goal this year? Are you trying to break that 490? You know, I yeah, I would I man, I would. I'd be pretty excited if we ran a 4 anything. Um realistically, I I don't think that's going to happen. The the truck is still nearly 6000 pounds. Um it's Oof. a factory frame truck, so it it is not a pro street truck by any means or anything like that. Um it has it still has a regular style cage um it's good down to 5:30 and if we could put up any kind of number uh that kicks us off the track then that's kind of our our goal <laughs> so now i i know you had said you know you're you're coming with a 6.8 liter and bigger turbos uh, applying you're still running a triple turbo setup on the truck yeah we uh, we're going to put the triples back on it this year um we ran the single last year and then in some of our other, we've been doing a little ODSS racing and a little local racing here and there, uh, you know, when 
when COVID doesn't have everything shut down. And we've been running the single, um, trying to save as much weight as we can. But um, the truck, the truck has been faster with the triples. So, and it, it's as heavy the way that it is. And so, if the name of the game is swinging for the fence, we're gonna put we're gonna put the triples on there and let it rip. Okay. I love it. Everyone else is talking about spray. Uh, maybe yeah. not necessarily at the track, but definitely at the dyno. Um, what do you, you you had mentioned sixteen hundred to twenty two hundred? Man, our combined number out there is insane right now to hit. Uh, are are you guys are you guys going to be doing a big spray setup? Are you are you going to be swinging for it once it comes to the dyno, or is that one of the places that you think maybe playing a little more conservative and make sure you're around for Sunday is the name of the game? Well, we're we're going to bring our old five nine <laughs> with us that we used to run, so we're going to swing for the fence on on the dyno. Uh, we never never really have. Well, I, I guess we thought that we were, but compared to some of the other numbers that were thrown out there we obviously weren't swinging hard enough so uh, <laughs> we're gonna take a rip at it at it this year and you know uh at some point with um you know any kind of stock or stock appearing block i think there is a limitation you know the the part of the adrenaline and the the what is so intense about ucc is that you have to make that torque number two and the torque number is what that's the physical force and that's what you know you see these huge explosions and people just grenading motors that's what does it but that that's what counts you know the how much torque you make on the dyno determines how what what chance you have of winning the whole event so you have to you have to make that big number and come prepared to do that so any additional safety precautions you guys are taking this year after seeing Tony's truck blow up at UCC last year and Baca's truck blow up at the event? Uh, I think that was last yeah, year as well. No. You know, we uh, we have a dyno here. We do a lot of, um, you know, dyno tuning and whatnot. And we've always been pretty carefree about it. And, you know, knock on wood, they've never had any big problems. Um, when Tony's truck caught on fire, uh at UCC, uh, that was what in nineteen. Yep. Yeah, I was on deck, the truck behind him, and had never seen anything like that happen on a dyno, let alone in person. And so I, I, we were sitting there, the next truck to go on, and I watched that whole thing, and thought, I never, I you know, blew my <laughs> mind. I never thought that something that is so common to happen, you know, a common failure. I mean, you know. You, you blow up turbos all the time when you're pushing a diesel like that. Yeah. But just to see what, what happened, I mean, it was a real eye opener. Um, you know, we, we ran back to the trailer. I grabbed the fire suit, the helmet, you know, everything <laughs> in and threw it on. And so that's definitely going to be a, a practice uh, this year, you know, keep the fire extinguishers closer and, you know, hopefully you don't need it. You know, you, you don't, even if you're pushing, things to its limit you don't intentionally plan on just grenading something to that that point but right um the truth is is it's a very real possibility that something like that can happen yeah man it's wild i couldn't even imagine having to go up right after could you that. imagine just being in the cockpit going up on your pole and then that happens and watching the guy in front of you yeah. literally truck start on fire and, and an extended amount of fire and then having to go up next better you than me chris i'll tell you that um 
the dino's tough, man. And and I, I always love talking to somebody who has a dino and has a lot of experience on a dino because what we're seeing year over year over year is how you strap the truck to the dino as a part of the equation. So it's not just the test window. It's not well, just how you come on the throttle. There's also the driving on the dyno that we've been hearing from some of our you know competitors. Yeah. Chris, give us a little insight. You know, do you or have you played with how the truck gets strapped down, or have you tried different strategies of physically driving the truck on the dyno to get the tires to stick and not slip and things like that? Oh, you know, I guess I guess it's a little hard to say. We our dyno here is a small roller dyno jet uh, with a with an eddy brake, and um, it definitely because it you know it's a smaller roller it compared to like the big. Uh, super flow that they have at ucc anytime we push something up you know in that 16 17 1800 horse range tire spin definitely becomes an issue and um if you you know if you we try to run anything at 2000 horsepower we have a pile of rubber behind the dyno when we're done the ucc dyno is a little bit more forgiving uh just because it's a bigger roller so you, you have more tire you know more circumference on on the roller um I run drag radials on the dyno, which M&H says, do not do it. <laughs> You're not supposed to. Don't run this tire. Um, if, but we've, all, we've had the best luck with that, and so that, that's, that's what we run. And, um, you know, as far as, like, truck placement on the roller, some guys say put it a little bit on the back side of the roller so you're kind of driving uphill. Some guys say put it right smack on the on the top. Some people say a little forward. We typically go a little bit forward. Um, and that that's kind of been been our best luck when we run the, the tire PSI at the max, you know, what tells you on the sidewall the max that it'll handle. We we usually run it right there, maybe a smidge under. That's an, that's an interesting strategy, yeah. right? Because you you are testing quite a few things here, and you're like I said, you're one of the few guys who has a chance to kind of play with these these settings a little bit, right? And kind of see what actually makes a difference. Because most guys showing up have maybe run their truck on a dyno, maybe yeah. most places they've gone, somebody else has had to run the truck on the dyno for them. Um, so that that's definitely an advantage that you have, especially add that to your racing experience. You know, you, you have a lot of things going for you. Sled pulling, my understanding, maybe not quite as many passes under your belt. <laughs> any uh, any sled pull pass I've ever made has been the, I guess, the three total that I've done at UCC. <laughs> <laughs> so, any advantage we have on the first two events, we give it up <laughs> on the on the third one. Well, and and sled pulling is one of those where, like, you know, hey, we're from the Midwest, like right. we've seen and been around and sled pulled a ton. Um, there's so many things that come into sled pull. We, how much time do we spend talking about dirt at every sled pull? Yeah, anytime that topic is brought up, it's it, you know, it's uh, the, the ground plays a big role. And I mean, I'm I'm sure the ground and the dirt out in Texas is a little different than what you're going to get in Indianapolis. Yeah, you know? which which plays plays a role into like tire setup and yeah. and and launch. How hard are you going to hit it out of the gate? You know, are you going to roll on the throttle or give it all the beans and go? And traditionally, what we've seen from drag racers is they launch like it's a drag race. <laughs> that, that is, I don't know Guilty. if it's a great strategy. <laughs> Guilty. If, if you're seeing hot, like, like cause we, we've, 
I'm not saying we've ever run late to go do a podcast recording, but maybe one time we we're like a few minutes behind and running across the field uh, to the, the the sled pole, and I'm watching a regular cab bounce, and yeah. I want to say well, get you're, like you're a hearing foot the, of you're air. hearing the truck stage, yeah, <laughs> okay. like, and I'm like, what, what the fuck? What? what are we doing? <laughs> and then yeah, you see the 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 truck hopping up and down and things like that, which is is pretty wild. To have see. you have you picked up anything over the last? The last three attempts, it was like, oh, man, the first time I was horrible. I'm getting better. I learned this. Here's what I'm going to do this year. You know, so the, the first time I was absolutely the guy guilty of uh, just dropping the hammer way too fast. Um, you know, drag racing is a, a totally different feel, you know, and, and I didn't know what to, what to anticipate. So, you know, hooking up to the sled you know, watching them raise the flag, you, you know, your, your adrenaline starts going like you're watching the tree. <laughs> and so, you know, I, I knew that I had to roll into it. You just don't, you just don't let it rip. And so in my mind, I thought, okay, um, I've rolled out far enough, you know, it's time to get into it. And I remember as soon as I got into it, it was all over the rev limiter. I went, that might've been a little too fast. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, you know, we, we, um, a couple of our buddies were, were down and, uh, you know, helping us out in the pits and they're more familiar with sled pulling. And I, I remember we got back to the pits and I got out of the truck and they're looking at me like, yeah, that was, that was a little much there. <laughs> so, <laughs> the, the second pull, I felt like, uh, my, I timed it pretty good. Um, it turns out that you can overpower a sled pulling track. just like you can overpower, you know, the eighth or quarter mile as well. And I think we had, just a little too much power in it. I probably didn't need to run that kind of tune-up in it, um, but it, it's UCC, and you know, it's you're you're there to to give it everything it's got. So that that was a pretty good pull. Um, and then our third pull was in in 19, and that's when it it rained. There's a monsoon, and they yeah. I mean they did the best they could with the track, but it was a really tricky track. And I know even people that that are very familiar with sled pulling we're even having a hard time reading it oh yeah and um, i guess just not having the feel for it you know the it was such a different feel than the the other two times i had to compare it to um i felt like i needed to to get into it because it didn't feel like it was going to be a traction thing it just felt like uh, literally like the truck was going to get stuck in the mud <laughs> if oh. i didn't, didn't, didn't get to going you know and um we it, we lost a drive shaft, so it wouldn't have mattered no matter what I did, anyways. But um, it just you know, like I'm used to feeling different different tracks, you know, race tracks. You know, I can look at it and say, okay, I'm gonna I can just anticipate this feel and know how to react to it. But when it you know when it comes to the dirt, I, you know, I I don't have that info and I've never done it before. So, um, you know, that that's definitely where the the guys that are used to the sled pulling they get their that big advantage there because they they know how to react you know, that's where the sport part comes of you know it's not just about the truck it's just knowing how to react to the situation the experience and drive the truck accordingly <clears throat> well that's it and and i think i i think too with sled pulling um like you said even the guys who have a lot of experience there's still times that you show up and there's just only so much you can do. I mean, based on all the factors that come into this, you know, how heavy did they set the sled? What was the what was the truck that they used to set the weight on the sled? Because right. that's not like a standardized thing, right? They kind of guesstimate it at each pull to try to limit you guys around 300 foot. But when there's trucks that, that are showing up that are 1,200 horsepower and 
2200 horsepower yeah, changes it kind of hard to gauge wh- where are these guys going to land yeah. right um and i know that that overall everybody is kind of picturing themselves like okay i've got my strategy on the dyno i've got my strategy at the drag race i've got my strategy at the sled pull people are putting together plans to see themselves at the top chris if you're at the top who are the two other competitors you think make the top three with you um man that's a that's a good one um obviously anybody there is capable of being in the top three otherwise they they wouldn't be there um so it's really hard to narrow it down to three um obviously i think uh uh wade minner and not just because we you know we're on the same team and everything and <laughs> and whatnot. He's my he's, buddy. You know, he'll be there. Yeah. He'll yeah, win. <laughs> but all of that aside, um, it, you know, if I, I would, you know, his truck, it, he's, there's probably nobody there that'll cut a light on the track. Like he does. Um, the, the truck makes good power on the dyno and he actually has experience sled pulling and he usually does, you know, very respectable in the sled pull. So he's, he's one of those guys that, you know, he's not going to give up any points in any, any event. So I think that truck is a hard one to beat. Um, the power driven guys, they can pull the sled out of the track in <laughs> <laughs> literally out of the stadium. Of the stadium. Yeah. <laughs> literally out of the stadium, you know, so they, the, the feet that they put on everybody, you know, they make up points in a hurry and, um, you know, they, they make a lot of horsepower now, now too. So their dyno should be, be very good. So, um, those, those guys, and, and it shows they're always in the, in the very top. So, um, Let, let's, you know, that's another one that I would look out for as well. Let's switch gears a little bit. I mean, we don't have the, the, you know, Levon competing, right? He, he stopped in 18. Derek Rose won in 19. Uh, Sean Baca, he's, he's not competing this year. Do you see the top three podium being seasoned UCC competitors, or do you see some fresh blood, some, some new guys in that top three or top six? I, I think it's both. Um, I, I really think that there's anybody that's there has a shot. Um, you know, there's some guys I know that have never uh, done it before, um, but absolutely would be somebody to, to look out for. Um, you know, to just know them, just an example, this isn't everybody, but like uh, like Justin Ziegler, that truck has, they have a hell of a combo on it. And, you know, the guy knows how to drive. He's he, It's not a foreign truck to him. So, I mean, he could definitely show up and be very hard to catch as well. Man, that's interesting. It's yeah. gonna be it's gonna be a fun year where where we're seeing smaller shops, we're seeing privateers, we're seeing seasoned vets, we're seeing we're drag seeing racers, and sled pullers. Yep. This is gonna be one of those years that I think if you have a chance to still get to UCC, you got to do it, man. This is gonna be a big year. Absolutely, Chris. Uh, who would you like to give a shout out to? Uh, you know, first and foremost, obviously, all the guys at the shop. Um, you know, Nate, Philip, Chandler, everybody else, you know, um, they, the, the hours they put into the, the truck um, and just, the, you know, even our day-to-day in the shop just to make it all possible. I mean, literally could not do it without them. Um, 
you know, my wife Sarah for for tolerating <laughs> this. <laughs> I think I think all the the wives of UCC are probably pretty darn patient to, to tolerate all of us and all this stuff, all this crazy stuff we do. Um, you know, and then we have some pretty pretty killer sponsors. Um, Brian at BTS, Brian's Truck Shop uh, builds our trans, and I mean it's it takes a beating. He's he's always been top notch. Um, the guys at SNS, I mean, there's not a finer fuel system in the world. Uh, Dave at One Up, um, you know, from he if there's anything about suspension, he's forgotten more about suspension than most of us will ever know. It doesn't matter if it's you know four link or leaf springs or in the dirt sled pulling or drag racing. I mean, he's been there, he's done it all, and his advice has always been super valuable. Um, Wade at uh, you know WM Welding Industrial Maintenance, it, you know, he always helps us out, helps us out with the shop stuff we need around the shop, and then going to the events um, and stuff. I mean, his him and his company have have helped us a, a ton. Um, and then, you know, the guys at SoCal and the guys at Freedom Racing, um, motor parts, motor building, I mean, two of the best motor builders in the country and uh, just darn good guys in general, you know. So very thankful to, to have them on the team, too. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining our listeners and carving out some time for them. Guys, make sure you stick around. Coming up next, we're going to have another segment here from our super tech, Jeremy Garnett. And of course, we'll also be doing some diesel diagnostics here at the end of the show. Jeremy Garnett, super tech. How the hell are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good, man. Uh, This is... I don't even know how many of these super tech segments we've done and people are really starting to give us positive feedback. Guys, if you want to give Jeremy some positive feedback, jump on over to jgarnett 0 on Instagram. Make sure you follow him, give him a like and send him a message. Tell him you heard about him here on diesel performance podcast. Uh, Jeremy, what's the truck we're talking about today? Um, well, it's a Duraburb, uh, twin turbo Duraburb. Duraburb. Yeah. This is a build that I I got to see to come together, God, I want to say in like 2013. Yeah, it's been around for a while. It, it's been a hot minute. It's a 03. Yep. It originally had an LB7 with a, six, a Stealth 64 S475, and then I think it might have went up to a 483 at some point, if I remember correctly. Yep. And then the truck had the engine out of it, and it was sitting in our shop last year, <laughs> this year. This year, I saw it with the engine sitting out of it in the shop. What do you mean we're talking about the Duraburb? <laughs> <laughs> well, um, Duraburb broke the crank. No. So, um, truck was uh, running pretty rough. Uh, came back, um, has a bunch of power, and the weakest link kind of took a shit. Yeah, man, this, it's a it's a rough story. Uh, I did obviously I already know we broke the crank out of it. Uh, this truck had made ten forty three to the rear wheels at one point. Yeah, uh, has been on cross country trips with families in it. I just towed a trailer Kentucky that <laughs> has had trailers hooked up to it. Uh, this this is one of those thousand horsepower street driven trucks that gets used. Like a thousand horsepower street driven truck. Yeah, as a family go getter. That's right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay. So the crank finally went in it after all these years. It's 
kind of, I don't want to say it's not surprising, but if somebody was out really romping on it, I could see it happening. I get it. Yeah, it's obviously what happened. But, yeah, yeah. You know, they were out beating on it, but it was just a fun build, man. Just from taking everything apart because, you know, I didn't get to do the original build. Right. You know, that was prior to me being here, and, you know, I've always enjoyed this vehicle, and now it being my turn you know, like and me being the guy that i like i'd love to do this stuff like i well, love to tear into it and that truck has kind of a fun history where it was built at duraburb sold to or built for a customer by duraburb out of florida uh that customer then sold it i think that's when nick grabbed it yep and then nick drove it until i think the first engine went in it and then and then put a built motor in it, and then now that built motor is the one that you tore out. Yes. Do, so where'd we go with it? Well, what we did is we just uh, we we refreshed it. Uh, so it's the same build. So the motor's still girdled. It's the same girdle. It's the same uh, pistons that in it, that are in it, but we had them refreshed and recoded. Okay. Um. So though has Wangler rods in it. So we our engine builder uh, sent the rods back out, and they were checked and uh, everything by and. Written off right by Wangler, right back to him. So they yeah. everything's installed, uh, and then uh, we put an ATS um, new flywheel on it. So it just didn't. They didn't like the way it was balanced, so we put a new flywheel on it. Okay. So, um, now the motor's balanced. It's ready to go. Um, we did not do anything but change the crank, as in that's the newest part and it's the we went with the cali crank in it so it's a forged crank and it. it's a billet crank fuck yeah very expensive very heavy and <laughs> if it breaks that's well, good for him <laughs> i love it okay so same turbo setup fuel setup all went back yep. on it is it driving yeah uh actually i uh, just put about 100 miles on it so guys we're gonna shut down the podcast right now i'm gonna go take a quick drive the derper <laughs> break and i'll be right back uh no i'm just kidding okay you put 100 miles on there already yeah is it still just as smooth as ever? I do love driving that truck. I do. Um, you know, I actually had to go pick up something last night uh, about 30 miles away. So I was like, ah, well, I got to put some miles on it. So. <laughs> I got to test drive something. <laughs> right. Uh, we did that. Only thing I'm not a huge fan is uh, it does have um, polyurethane motor mounts in it. So it does, does not have the factory motor mounts in it. So you do get the built motor little bit of a vibration like you know yeah so it, other than that i mean it's just smooth it's just be. so smooth and then once you you know you hit fifth gear and you're just laying into it about 50 percent throttle you just a second charger just comes to life and it just it never runs out that's no. what i always say about twins and especially like that twin setup yeah. is like does not matter where you're at in the throttle does not matter what speed you are does not nothing matters if you give it more throttle it has more go and and the thing is it is it's only a 64 in the valley it's yeah not, it's not a not a big turbo no it's not it's not a crazy like y you know competition build it is a street driven build yeah i'm a thousand horsepower <laughs> i mean that's fun and you could bring it to the racetrack and take your family to lunch. That's it, man. Yeah, what more could you ask for, right? Yeah, I was yeah. actually uh, Anthony, our one of our sales guys, and I were just talking about it. Uh, he was up against the Derberb was up against Worley's regular cab at the track last fall, and it went eleven four. Oh, so stupid! It's just it's such a crazy pass. Yeah. In, in in what you then like, it also by the way in this pass had the third row seat still in it. Yeah. 
like, like was not it wasn't like oh we put it on slicks and pulled all the no. seats out it was like no 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 like literally told kids to get out of it and left their car seat strapped in and ran an 11 <laughs> four yeah like, and it still got the terror grappler tires on it that yeah on yeah <laughs> so then drove it home yeah that's it, man. Uh, did you run into anything interesting on this one? No, this one actually went pretty smooth. Um, you know, just uh, to take your time. I mean, that's when it comes to a build like this, you just take your time, take that extra, you know, couple hours, few hours. I think that's a good pro tip on this one. Just go to, just take your time and everything on it. Like you got, you got a build that has, we're not even going to talk about a dollar amount to this build, no. but like there is a dollar amount to this build that some people might be claiming for their income in 2020. Um, what what are you rushing for? You, yeah. you know, like, and I've told this to customers too. Is like, dude, if you're gonna drop your truck off, you've made a large investment. Like, if time frame is your biggest concern, I don't know that. I don't know that that's the way we want to approach the build. Yeah, I mean, and this isn't somebody's everyday driver. No, no, no. But no, this no. is something that they could, but it's not. You know? Right. Yeah. They're they're not missing work because we're we're finishing the truck or, exactly or looking over everything twice. For the third time, right? Exactly. You're like, right. just ease up, make sure it's perfect, then exactly. you can give it back to the customer. Exactly. Like, we'll go over the tune. Like, uh, Nick's going to go re just revise the tune a little bit and play with it a little bit and just yep. make sure it's perfect. And and then give me the keys. And when I put my stamp of approval on it, you know, he could have it back next year. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> he could have it after me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, Jeremy, I, I think this has been a fun one. Thank you so much for joining us. Oh, no problem. Have a good day. Guys, uh, make sure you stick around. We have another diesel diagnostic segment coming up at you right away. Sean Lynn, how the hell are you? Good. How are you, Paul? I'm doing great. Sean, I, I really enjoy where we're going with our, our diesel diagnostic segment here on the show. I'm glad that you and your cohort, Mike, have, have been able to come down and kind of join us. I think we got a really fun one today. I think you're right on that. So, so guys, what we're going to do is we're going to dive in a little bit, uh, a little bit differently. Usually, I try to throw out some symptoms, and then Sean Lynn will help us get to a solution. Uh, this time, we're going to go differently. I'm going to go, "Hey, Sean, I have a dirty mass airflow sensor. Tell me some of the symptoms that customers might call in and complain with if they have a dirty mass airflow sensor." Yeah, Paul. Uh, to be honest, it happens pretty much on a weekly basis here. <laughs> and we get questions like, hey, I don't know if my truck is changing tunes or, hey, I just installed this intake. Hey, this intake's been on here a while. And usually we look at the intake when the mass airflow sensor is dirty. Yeah, yeah. So there's a couple of reasons for that. And I think one of the symptoms I always remember guys bringing up is like, hey, my truck feels like it has no power. And then I always like to ask that question of like, does it ever come up on power? And they'll be like, well, actually, it's funny you mention that. It runs like a dog, and then it hits like 2,200 RPM. That's just an example. But then it hits 2,200 RPM, and it runs like a raped ape. And I'm like, mass airflow sensor, almost every time. Um, now, now you deal a lot, too, I think, I, and I like that one you mentioned about like, oh, it doesn't feel like my tune's switching. It doesn't feel like I have any more power between 1 and 5. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah, I've actually experienced this myself because I do a lot of the in-house tuning installs here. And the example I have for you guys is a 2014 LML. So I actually installed the tuning on there, made sure everything was working properly, and I took it for a drive. And I was like, hey, you know, I'm not really feeling too much of a change here. And so then I started data logging the fuel right between 1 and, and tune 5, and it was very low on the 
on the fuel and very low on the mass airflow sensor. So I pop the hood and sure as hell there's an oiled filter under there <laughs> and the mass airflow sensor was filthy. So it was about half the power it should have had. I want to talk about two things with this because th- these bring up some really good points. Number one, the reason you get a low fuel rate or low performance uh, when you have a dirty mass airflow sensor is because, especially on a Duramax, but they're on all the trucks, um, the mass airflow sensor calls for fuel. So as your truck senses more air passing over the mass airflow sensor, it says, okay, we can add more fuel and the mixture isn't going to create a bunch of smoke. Very, very crucial for an emissions equipped truck, but important across the board. That's why even LB7s have a mass airflow sensor, right? So 01 to 04 Duramaxes have them. Um, When you get a dirty mass airflow sensor, what we're saying is that oil, debris, whatever is blocking the sensor. And it's not going to read that the correct amount of air is passing over it. So even as you're accelerating 30, 40, 50 miles an hour, you should have plenty of air passing over the sensor so that the truck will automatically command more fuel, thereby making more power. And it won't do that because it's not seeing the air. Now, can you dive a little bit into why oiled filters are notoriously a part of this problem? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um Due to the nature of it being a turbocharged engine, it's naturally going to pull in a lot of air. And depending on how you maintain your filter or how you don't maintain it, (laughs) it, you could potentially over-oil it when you service it, and then the turbocharged engine is going to pull in a lot of air really fast, and it's going to block part of that sensor so your truck's not going to be reading the airflow that it should you know growing up around like dirt bikes and quads and things like that the oiled filter was always a little more expensive and it was always the better one we consider that the premium option because if you had oil on the filter like the 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 the, the certain amount of oil in the filter it would catch more debris it'll catch more dust right compared to a dry filter totally logical no no question However, the mass airflow sensor and the, is in the intake, so it's in your cold air intake right behind the air filter. So especially in the Duramaxes, it's very close to each other, and that oil is going to start to seep through that filter, and it's going to pull itself and get stuck to your mass airflow sensor. And that's, that's immediately going to cause the problem. Yeah, I mean, we always recommend customers clean the mass airflow sensor and then go with a good dry filter because it's easier to clean and, you know, it's not going to pull oil through then. That's right. Yeah. You got a diesel. Quit being cheap. I don't care about a washable filter. Now, it's not worth it. Just go get a dried filter that, that you could throw away a disposable filter. Who cares? I literally have told guys on the phone, I'd rather hear you running a coffee filter in your intake than to keep that oiled filter on there because it's only causing more and more drivability issues as we go. Yeah. Please, and- just real quick disclaimer, please don't go put a coffee filter in your intake. It's it's difficult for some people because they read into it and they're like, oh, awesome, I got the oiled filter, I got the premium option, but down the road it's definitely not helping you out. There you go, man. I think that's real sound advice. Guys, uh, if you want to hear more great advice like this, make sure you subscribe to the show. How are you listening? You're not already subscribed. And then, of course, if you want feedback, uh, if you would like me to read your feedback on the show, it's super simple. Head over to iTunes, find the podcast, leave us a five-star review. If you leave us a five-star review, I very well may read it on the show one day. For right now, let's kick it back over to uh, Chris and myself. He'll join me to wrap up this show. Increase the durability, line pressure, and performance of the Allison transmission in your GM 6.6 liter Duramax LML and L5P with the XDP 
EPC solenoid fuller plug. From the factory, the EPC solenoid increases line pressure up to 230 psi during shifting. Once the shift is complete, the pressure drops back down to 80 psi. At 80 psi of line pressure, your Allison cannot hold the added stress from aftermarket upgrades or heavy towing. The XDP EPC solenoid fuller fixes this issue by installing onto the solenoid and back into the valve body. This lets your transmission effectively operate at 230 psi all the time. This eliminates clutch slipping, poor shifting, and extends transmission life. To find out more about the XDP EPC solenoid fuller plug, check out xdp.com or find a local dealer near you. Chris, uh, people have been hearing us talk about Exergy Performance well, since the start of the show. Right, of course. They've been uh, they've been a believer <laughs> since the inception, <laughs> to say the least. Uh, I know I just recently talked to Randy Harkema over there. Uh, guys, of course, you recognize him from our snake oil uh, or not fuel additive yep. episode. Uh, he's he's one of the guys at Exergy that we rely on for technical expertise. Mm -hmm. and, and I thought it was really cool. I was just talking to him about going to UCC. Okay. You remember the booth that they they bring to UCC every year? Yeah, I remember. I remember 2019. Um, they do this really cool engine stand with a Cummins with their standalone with a throttle, uh, a hand throttle, and you can you know be part of the engine operating. They start it, you can rev it, and all that cool stuff. And I think it's really cool because it, it gives you that hands-on experience to say, hey, here's Exergy's fuel system, here's Exergy's standalone, Bosch standalone, here's everything working. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, you can't forget it once you've seen it. I, I didn't push too hard to okay. ask all the details because I like to walk around UCC and kind of be surprised by yeah. what I'm going to see. Um, but I will just say that if you're going to UCC this year, make sure you go swing by the Exergy Performance booth. You're definitely going to want to check out what they have. Oh, man. That's exciting. Chris, you know WC Fab uh, and WC Fab powder coating. Um, it, it's going to be one of those places that if you've never heard of them and you go check out their booth at UCC or if you go to their shop and, and kind of hang out and see even just even just the foyer, like what the you know, the waiting room, uh, you're going to be wildly impressed. I, you, it, it's tough because it, you don't know if someone were to tell me, hey, you know, they do all these crazy powder coat colors, they do compound turbo kits, triple turbo kits, intercooler piping kits, whatever. I am a very simplistic individual, so I have a basic thought process or picturing in my head of what's going on. And if you see their work in person, the, they're very meticulous with, you know, their fabrication. The welding is superb. Um, but their coloring options that they have from their in-house powder coating service is second to none. There's like 400 colors that they keep in stock. Yeah. All of their signature colors are, you know, they're the most popular for a reason. They stick out the most. Um, and I mean, Paul, man, over the years being at Calibrated Power, we have seen so many WC Fab trucks <laughs> come and go, being on the dyno, things like that. And, you know, uh, I remember when I first started, it was exciting to see a 700, 800, or a 1,000 wheel horse truck. And you just know if a truck's coming from WC Fab here, it's going to make big power. Um, I normally just get excited for what kind of color schemes under the hood of the truck. <laughs> um, but, you know, you, you're going to get what you pay for. You know, they offer a really good quality product, and they have a really good support staff. They're going to stand behind what they do. And I think that goes a long way, especially this day and age in this industry. Absolutely. All right, man, like we said, uh, a mellow yeah, guy, just, but, but I think clearly he has ready. his head on his shoulders yep. of being a competitor. Yep. 
And I mean, just talking about the different turbo setups that they've done in the past, and you know, he's broken a lot of records, man. That's right. You know, he's 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 a decorated competitor is That's the best right. way to put it. So I'm really excited to see Chris's truck at UCC. We're a couple weeks away, man. So you know, we're looking forward to it. Here we go. All right, guys. For today, this has been Paul Wilson and Chris Hemke. Thanks for listening. Chris has a, a deeper voice, so yeah. you know. Well, you know, full grown up. Uh, I know. I get it. <laughs>